You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. I, I do a podcast. I'm not, I'm not interested in your podcast. But these are these are wolves. Truth be told, I, I oftentimes lay awake at night trying to figure out how I can get rid of wolves in the church. We are unabashedly, unashamedly Clarkian. And so the next few statements that I'm going to make, I'm probably going to step on all of the Vantillian toes at the same time. And this is what we do at Simple Riff around the radio, you know. We are polemical and polarizing Jesus style. I would first say that to characterize what we do as fashion is itself fashion. It's not hate, it's history, it's not fashion, it's the Bible. Jesus said, Woe to you and men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. It is on. We're taking the gloves off. It's time to battle. Welcome to Semper Reformanda Radio. This is where the Bible is applied to all of faith and life. This is your host, Carlos. And um, I just I wanted to take the time to introduce a new series that we're doing on the podcast. Um, I've been recording some of our studies from, from our church, uh, the Old Pass Christian Church, and I thought it would be a good idea to post them here on the on the podcast. So um, we did a series on the London Baptist Confession of Faith, and we finished that. So I have a few of a few studies um, to post from from that. And we also recently, more recently, started a new series on the Westminster Larger Catechism. And these studies were started by Ryan Denton. He's the uh, full-time evangelist that we've interviewed. On a number of occasions before, he's written a couple of books, and he had, he recently published another one that we hope to interview him soon on as well. And Brother Ryan is the one who has been leading and teaching these studies for the most part, uh, but unfortunately, due to illness, he has had to step down, and he hasn't been able to uh, step in as much. So I've been helping him with that responsibility more recently, and so um, I th- hope that these studies will be. A blessing to our listeners, and um, we we talk about a lot of different topics in one stu- in any given study. So I think they're helpful because we discuss many different critical doctrines and issues tied to each question as we tackle it every week. And so this has done a few things for our church, um, and one one of the things that has done for our church is that it has exposed it. Uh, us constantly every week to the Reformed faith and the, the Reformed faith as it has been crystallized and uh, handed down to us through these creeds, confessions, and catechisms and it's been very helpful to help build our church and reform our church in, in that direction of establishing the ourselves firmly and grounding ourselves in, in this Reformed tradition um, using the means of these uh, standards and and 
catechisms and so on and so forth. So that's been really helpful, I think, for our church. And another thing it has done uh, for us is that it's exposing us to basically giving an overview of systematic theology every week because the, these questions, especially like these questions from the larger catechism, they're so jam-packed full of, they're very dense. And so every question that we tackle is has is tying it in a bunch of different doctrines and issues like I was mentioning before. And so it's had a tremendous benefit, I think, for our church in that it's helping us to reform it and to give it an explicit grounding in the reformed uh, faith and the truths that have that you know by means of the of those confessions and catechisms and also on top of that it's giving us a systematic overview of major Christian doctrines because that is precisely what those confessions and doctrinal standards do they define every major doctrine so I would highly encourage and recommend uh, for the listeners to do this to implement this in your own church I would highly recommend if you're not doing this already in your church, to, to do a study, uh, a weekly study or something like that, on the confessions, on the conf- on the, especially like if well if you're Baptist or um, even if you're a Baptist though, uh, so doing a study on the London Baptist Confession, doing a study on the Baptist Catechisms, even doing a study on the Westminster Larger Catechism, that would be extremely beneficial, um, which is which is what we're doing and. Because the questions are so dense, they're so detailed, and they also help us to understand why we're not Presbyterian in that sense. Because we, we it can be a good opportunity to to understand the differences between Presbyterians and Baptists, and also explain and understand why we're not Presbyterian. And this is also why you see, for example, the Heidelberg Catechism being split up into 52 Lord's Days, because in in Reformed churches. What they would often do is preach a an uh, exegetical sermon in the mornings, and then in the evenings they would go they would rehearse the catechisms. They would have a a sermon based on these uh, doctrinal standards. It's really I think important because there's so much more to the Reformed faith than just the five points of Calvinism. That's barely that's barely even the the starting point. Um, it's not even really the starting point, but and it's just a very small part of what it is to be reformed, and it, there's so much more to the reformed faith than just that, and that's why I think it's it has been very helpful. I think it's been a blessing for our church to to be to be turning more explicitly in this reformed direction and to really take hold of it and to understand it um, as a whole. So without any further ado, this is the first of the studies that we're going to publish under Semper Reformanda Radio. This one was led by Brother Ryan on the London Baptist Confessions uh, take on the Sabbath. I hope you enjoy them and thank you for listening. We're just talking about it. You guys were talking about the Sabbath. And, uh, I'll admit straight off, this is actually, without doubt, like the, the most, I would say the most difficult, yeah, on the one hand it's difficult, but but really I think the confusion just, just lies as far as um, 
what exactly is an appropriate view of the Sabbath, because of all, there are a lot of different views out there, and we do see it in the scriptures, and we'll see it tonight. And yet, at the other, on the other hand, you see references in the scriptures like uh, Colossians and other Galatians and other places where it says uh, it talks about you know we shouldn't hold one day above the other, and we'll talk about all this. You know this, is, but but really, so I mean. And even after all this, I'm, I'm still kind of at the point where I'm just like, well, I, I, I know how I feel. And, you know, I'm, you know, to be transparent about it, I do believe that we should hold to some kind of Sabbath. And we'll talk about, or the Lord's Day, I guess you could say, but we'll talk about that. But um, that's just kind of a preface. I mean, this is, it's, 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 it's difficult. It is. But, uh, but at the same time, we know that there is a correct view of it. And it's not just like a wishy-washy, well, we'll just, there is a correct view. And so what's important is getting the essence of that view and applying it to our life. And so um, so let's go ahead and turn in our books to chapter 22. And, um, and we talked to, so we're on, we're on the sixth section, chapter 22, uh, verse, or what do you call that? Paragraph 6, there you go. And, uh, and so this is not where the Sabbath begins. Remember we left off right here though? And, but this is going to kind of, re- it's a refreshment of last week. And so Carlos, this is a lot of what we talked about last week, the regulative principle of worship. Um, and so we'll read that. Josh, we read 22.6 for us, just the whole thing. Under the gospel, neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now restricted to or made more acceptable by the place where it is done or toward which it is directed. Instead, God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth, daily in each family and privately by each individual. Also, more formal worship is to be performed in public assemblies, and these must not be carelessly or deliberately neglected or forsaken when God, by His Word or providence, calls us to them. All right. First, and the first question I would ask is, what does it mean by under the gospel? Where it says under the gospel. So, new covenant. Huh? New covenant. Yeah. Okay. You see that? So that's that's and that's that's a nice expression, I think. And so it's just yeah, exactly. It's defining what we're talking about. We're not under the old covenant anymore. In the sense of uh, you know prayer. Religious worship, it was always in a certain place. It was always in Jerusalem. It was always in a temple. Um, And in fact, there are, even today, you know, uh, like Muslims, when when they pray, they always face a certain direction. When the Jews pray, they always face a certain direction. In fact, Origen would talk about when he prays that he was not under the gospel, or he was under the gospel, so to speak. Um, But he would still talk about facing a certain direction. So we see how off that is here. Because now we worship in spirit and truth. Not, we're not confined. In other words, we're not confined to a certain specific area only. And we see that in scripture uh, when Jesus is talking about, we're talking to to uh, the lady at the well. Um, and then, of course, and, and I, I mean, this is nice too because date. I mean, think about this. The second, so it's the second sentence. Instead, God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth. Dash, daily in each family and privately by each individual. And, and uh, Tasha and I were listening to uh, a sermon on Puritan worship. No, was it Puritan? 
Puritan child rearing and how the Puritans would rear their, their children. And one of the emphasis that he made was the fact that they made like every, in fact, the church would hold people accountable for whether or not they're doing family worship every day in the homes. And if you were not, then the church would call you in and, and exercise discipline. And, uh, and that's just something that's really gone out the window in our day and, and age. But, but it shows how, and I love this because it is important. Uh, and they would consider, they would talk about how the Puritans would see their, their homes to be like, not necessarily, I mean, I guess you could say like mini churches, like, you know, like the worship that you do in the home is, is in a sense, it's, it's, it is, uh, it's a reflection of what you would see on like a Sunday. Maybe not as long or, or I mean, every, I guess it'd be different, but it, it, it just shows you the value of it. And that's, that's one thing, like, for my brother, the Lord's got this guy, man. And, and that's something that is it's really neat to see him because he's not at a Reformed church. You know, he's never read the 1689. And yet, when the Lord really started working on him, one of the first things he realized is, I need to start having Bible studies and worship with my family every day. He's got two kids, you know. So it's kind of neat to see that this is like something that's just, it's, it's organic, it's natural. But... You know, in the culture that we live in, it's like, well, we'll do that on Sundays. But obviously, it's not just Sunday. Um, anything on that? And then individually. So privately, excuse me. Yeah, individually, but privately. And uh, and so, and, and I would say this too with prayer. I notice that a lot of times. Um, I think like corporate prayer is great. Corporate prayer is essential, but a lot of times I've noticed that that there can be a tendency, especially if there's a lot of corporate prayer, to make corporate prayer your prayer, and that's it. And that shouldn't be. Does that make sense? I mean, there's corporate prayer in a sense should be like the outworking of what you're already doing individually, privately. But I, I do notice that, especially when I go on these trips and. and and, and you know we always pray corporately before we go out, and uh, and I'm and I'm not knocking these guys at all or myself, but I notice that there is a tendency, even in my own heart, to say, oh well, we're doing that later, and so I can get to other things before that. And it, you, you know, it's we have to check ourselves to make even like on a Sunday. Well, you know, we're going to church and we're going to do that there. Yeah, but individually and privately, we should still be be worshiping and praying. And, having that communion with, with God. Um, I like how Pastor Joe makes a distinction that when we pray uh, together in the, like the prayer meetings, that we should be praying for specific things regarding to the church. That, yeah, uh, right. And uh, what the church needs, whereas privately we should be praying for our families and you know, our jobs or neighbors or you know, our immediate context. Yeah. So that's a helpful distinction. Yeah, that's actually true, right? Yeah. Amen. Like, yeah, yeah. At a prayer meeting, we all have lost people in our families, for instance. We all have certain ailments going on and things like that. But that's a good point because that's not what a prayer meeting at church should be about. Amen. It should be about church, the, the service, the, the preaching, the, the just the saints there. Everything that happens at the assembly, everything that concerns the body there. Right, 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 right. 
a more formal worship. And this really is what we talked about last week. Is to be performed in public assemblies. And these must not be carelessly or deliberately neglected or forsaken. When God by his word of promise calls us to do that. This also gets us into this Sabbath. And to talk about the next chapter. Or the next the next paragraph. That last sentence. So it's talking about formal worship, yes. Uh, performed in public assemblies, yes. And this part especially. These must not be carelessly or deliberately neglected or forsaken. But God by his word of providence calls us to them. And, and so when we turn over to the next chapter or the next uh, paragraph, this we're still in the same subject matter. So let's, uh, you know, and, and really, I don't know. Yeah, let's read it and then we'll look in the scriptures. Um, Jose, will you will you read uh, read all the way to the number twenty eight there on that twenty two seven? It is the law of nature that in general a portion of time specified by God should be set apart for the worship of God. So by His word, a positive moral and perpetual commandment that obligates everyone in every age, He has specifically appointed one day seven for Sabbath to be kept. Okay, now, and this is this is where I kind of wanted to stop, okay, because there's the word Sabbath, and I want to look in the scriptures at a few places, because this will give you the backdrop of where these guys are coming from. Okay, so let's look, uh, I got, I got six verses, or six, really, passages of scripture that are, I think, very juicy when it comes to the Sabbath. Okay, so let's just, uh, uh, Carlos, why don't you take... Exodus 28 through 11. Let's turn to Exodus 28 through 11. We'll let Carlos read that. Actually, Carlos, let's. I, I tell you what. Before we go there, go to Genesis 2. We should go in order. Genesis 2. And read uh, verses 1 through 3, Carlos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Montiel. And then Delira, we'll let you do the, the next. We'll let you do Exodus. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So he blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because God on it, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay. And so creation's the main focus here, obviously. Right? There's a reference to creation when it comes to rest. Okay, so that's important. So, and then uh, Carlos uh, Delira, will you read Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy okay so again you see the creation hey Tyler What's up, Thomas? 
Genesis 2, we read that, and we just read Exodus 20, and again, the emphasis there, if you notice, is the fact that, okay, it's about work, and it's about resting from work, and and there's another reference in verse 11 to the fact that there's it's a creation ordinance. There's something about creation that, that causes this, and so, um, and we'll come back to this. So Deuteronomy 5 is the next one, and, and uh, Tyler... Sorry to just throw you in, brother, but will you read Deuteronomy 5? And that'll be verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In in it, shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your cattle, or your soldier, or your who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Amen. Now, see, okay, now now the big difference here is that it's no longer, the big emphasis is deliverance and redemption. So in the first two passages, it was creation, it was resting from your work because of the creation. This is talking about more about God's deliverance and his redemption. And on that account, that's why we should observe the Sabbath. Okay, so we'll come back to both of these points. Let's go to Numbers now. Numbers 15, because um, here's, well, yeah, yeah, let's go to Numbers. Because this is this is what happens. This is how, and, and this is important because this shows how seriously God takes this commandment. And again, remember, that's the key thing. This is, this is the fourth commandment. So it's part of the moral law that we talked about a few weeks ago when we were talking about the moral law. So, so and we, we remember we were talking about how the moral law is not abrogated. The moral law has not been done away with. And so the Sabbath is part of that moral law. And so that being the case, and we know that, that's the backdrop. Already you're saying, okay, so what do we do with this, though? Because, I mean, it's, it goes without saying that this, of all the Ten Commandments, this is the one commandment that is most neglected by the church today. And so and the question is like, okay, yeah, but what do we do with it? You know, like, I don't, okay, we should observe it. What does that mean? And so that's what we're trying to figure out. And, uh, okay, and so Numbers 15, verses 32 to 36, and, and this is this is a crazy verse. 
Aaron, uh, number fifteen through thirty-two through thirty-six, please. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man carrying sticks on the Sabbath day, and those who found him carrying sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done. And the Lord said to Moses, The man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside of the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside of the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay. I mean, I mean, honestly, when you read that, you're like, wow, man, isn't that extreme? But it, But it's not. You know, it's just like the guy who blasphemes God's name, and God takes him out. You know, and it's so, so, I mean, it's, this shows how important this is. And so, again, we're trying to figure out, look, I, I want to honor God. I want to glorify God, including when it comes to the Sabbath day. I mean, it's, it happens every week. I mean, it's a big, it's a big thing, you know, like, what do we do about it, though? Let's go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Thirteen and fourteen. Tim, will you read that? Did you back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable? If you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Okay, so now you're talking about the opposite. So there's violent, or there, there's, there's, let's say, punishment or retribution if you violate the command or the, the Sabbath. And here he's talking about there's blessing if you keep it. And then, and then, lastly, let's turn to Mark chapter two. Mark two, verses twenty-three through twenty-eight. Thomas, will you read that for us, brother? Mark 2, 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick up some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, you have, have you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companion. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Amen. So, okay, what I want you to see here is that nowhere does Jesus Christ say, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Notice that? He doesn't say, oh, we, I mean, that's, that's, that's Old Commandments or Old Testament stuff. We're going to be Rather, he affirms that the Sabbath is perfect. I would say he's definitely affirming that. But what he's doing is he's putting it into the proper context, in, in the proper perspective. And and, uh, and and this is important. Now, the second thing as far as like what we're doing, the reason, the reason why I wanted to go through all these verses right here is because, okay, and I was just trying to figure... I, I was when I was looking into this, I found five different views on the Sabbath, and these are held by Reform people. Five different views within the Reform camp, and 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 so this happens to be it comes from the Westminster, 
and and generally speaking, the Westminster in the 1689 is going to be the strictest of all five views when it comes to the Sabbath. And so, um, in fact, uh, I was reading some guys, and they were saying that that uh, there have been Orthodox Presbyterian churches and also PCA churches that have refused to ordain ministers because they because these ministers don't hold to the Westminster on when it comes to the Sabbath. Now they hold to the Sabbath, but they they take certain um, I guess liberties. Liber- yeah, yeah. They have a different view. Yeah. So, but but and here's the thing. So when it comes to the reform view. Okay, and I'm not talking about like the evangelical. I'm just within the reform camp, there's five different views, and and so uh, the most, I guess the most liberal of all the views, they would say the Sabbath, the Sunday is not a holy day. Um, these are guys like D. A. Carson. So they're going to be more in the uh, New Covenant tradition, and these guys are not even dispensational. But dispensationalism badly influences a lot of this thinking because they want to break the Old Testament up. From the New Testament, and I think that's where they—that's—that's that's the main problem that they're running into. So yeah, they're saying that um, even though Sunday is an appropriate day for worshiping God, it's not like a, a special day. It's not a holy day. It's almost like, um, and it's not—it's definitely not a 24-hour period. And so that's the most liberal view. Uh, and I would highly disagree with with all of that. I don't think that does justice to the Word of God. Um, and and so another view is uh, and and this view was actually let's see no okay so this there's actually this so this one was held by Calvin and it's held by the Heidelberg and and so it's a it's the view that um, the Sabbath is it's a stated day to assemble but it does not necessarily have to be Sunday it does not have to be the first day of the week. And even Calvin held to that. Now Calvin was looking at Colossians and Galatians and these these and Romans, where it says you shouldn't esteem one or don't look down upon somebody who esteems one day higher than another. And so Calvin's looking at that. And he's like, well, I mean, the reason it, Calvin does say it's best to do it on Sunday, but that's only because it's most convenient for the church to do it on Sunday. So it's actually interesting that Calvin's kind of he's definitely not holding to this. Um, and and uh, I don't. Again, and in fact, he says um, the main thing, okay, the main priority is worship, not rest. That's the other thing, okay. And so when we're going through this, notice when we when we talked about like uh, when we were in Genesis and Exodus, the emphasis was on rest. Um, And even when we we talked about Deuteronomy, when when the emphasis was on redemption, there was still an element. Because the question is, okay, do we rest on the Sabbath, or let's say the Lord's Day, for the purpose of worship, okay? Or is is worship, I guess, not necessarily underneath rest, but is are they side by side? Does that make sense? And so that's a question that'll keep coming up. But I just, okay, so that's the second view, though. So it's not. It's like oh, okay, it doesn't have to be on Sunday, the Lord's Day. It's convenient if the church says it should be on Sunday, but. And then another view is the um, uh, the Synod of Dort. They say Sunday is a holy day. Okay, it should be a set. Of, it should be set aside for worship and pious reflection, and you should abstain from any recreations that hinder worship. And um, 
uh, we, there's a holy obligation to worship God. Therefore, and that comes from Scripture. Okay, we have an obligation to worship God. Therefore, and we have an equally holy obligation to eliminate anything in our lives that conflict with this worship. So again, the big emphasis is on worship. This, the big emphasis is going to be on worship. Okay, and 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 uh, and so the one view though that I found that's that's that I thought was 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 I guess attractive. I don't know that I thought was was convincing is is the idea. So it's the fact that rest is the most important element of the Sabbath, not worship. Okay, worship is important, but rest is equally important. And rest is not done just for the sake of worship, but rest because, and this goes back to what we saw in Genesis chapter 2, where, where God is talking about rest. Why? Because there was work being done for six days. We saw in Exodus, rest on the seventh. Why? Because there was work being done for six days. And it had nothing to do with worship. Does that make sense? And and so, um, so again, but it does state, I mean, that's, that there is something unique about the Lord's Day. We'll talk more about the New Testament in a minute. Um, um, and, and the point that they were making out is that in Numbers, for instance, the man, remember we just read Numbers where, where God said this man should be killed for violating the Sabbath. It was not because he neglected worship, it's because he was working on the Sabbath. Now, there is such a thing as, um, and it needs to be brought out now, I guess, um, uh, deeds of necessity and, and deeds of mercy. Okay, so in other words, like firefighters, ambulance people, doctors, or, or people who have jobs that their bosses will, you, there's no way you can get off on a Sunday, right? That would be a deed of necessity or a work of necessity. So that's different. And on the other hand, like a like a work of, of mercy, deed of mercy, like when Jesus is talking about, you know, we, we should help people out on this. You shouldn't just not do anything. I mean, if it comes down to it, you should help somebody if, if you need to do that. So there, there are exceptions, and all of these people would hold to these exceptions. So even the Westminster, um, and I, and I, let's let's because now we're at this point. So let's read what the Westminster says. I mean the 1689. Excuse me. Um, after 28, you guys see that on 22:7. So it says was the last day of the week. After, so it's designating the time, after the resurrection of Christ, it was changed to the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day. Now that's that's crucial, because I'm sure we're thinking, well, wait a minute, the Sabbath was always, and it wasn't actually always a Saturday, like most people want to think. It wasn't always Saturday. Okay, it depends. You see, I, probably it was hardly calendar, ever on a Saturday. Right? Huh? Calendar way it was set up? Different calendars, yeah. Yeah, the the Jews had a lunar calendar, right? And we have a Gregorian solar calendar, yep. so it's not even it doesn't even fall on the same day of the exactly week. Exactly right. Anymore. And and yeah, so I mean, there's and there's really no way to tell what day you should do it on. So even like Seventh Day Adventists, all the guys, the Hebrew Israelite, anyone who holds actually uh, Jehovah's Witnesses too, right? There's there's Seventh Day Adventists. So you can, I mean, that's that's. It. It is important to note that, okay, um, now as Christians, we 
don't hold to set we hold to the first day of the week and traditionally it's Sunday because that's when Christ was raised from the dead so that's why it's no longer and 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 just a, a brief glimpse of church history on the subject um, it's important to remember that when you read the scriptures okay Christianity came out of Judaism right now dispensationalists try to split it Okay, but Christianity came out of Christianity was the fulfillment of Judaism. It wasn't like God's plan A and Christianity's plan B. It's not that. It's that Christianity fulfilled Judaism. I mean, Christ was the Jewish Messiah, right? And so, realizing that, in when you look back in, in let's say, like the, the history of the church, especially in the early church, the Jewish Christians were still. Um, observing the Sabbath and they would also observe the Lord's Day okay so they were observing yeah yeah think about it they were observing the Jewish Sabbath they were holding to the Jewish customs traditions including the Sabbath but they're also holding to the Lord's Day okay but there was so much antagonism between the the really the Jewish community and the Christians that eventually especially and, and here's a point that I found was really interesting I never thought about it until this week when I was studying for this okay before Constantine, okay, before Constantine came in and, and made Sunday uh, basically a holiday, you know, where you, you don't have to work. Before that, there's no way as a Christian you probably could have got off work because nobody else in the society was taking the Lord's Day off, right? Nobody was. They were taking the Jews. The Jews were protected to take the Sabbath off, but the Christians were not protected to take an additional day off. And so the point that was that was being made was that you know when we are talking about the Lord's Day, it is it is important to remember that it really was not up until the time. Um, actually, I guess Tertullian is the closest guy that, or the oldest guy that you can find a reference to the Sabbath. He was in like 150, 170, and he was talking about how the Christians were observing the Lord's Day and in, 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 in taking a very special. It was it was special. Okay, and so um, I mean, there's so much that goes into all of this, but but the point to be made is that the Sabbath is biblical, but now in the New Covenant under the Gospel, it's no longer on the last day of the week; it's the first day of the week, and it's a we do that because of Christ's resurrection, and Christ would also appear to his disciples on the day when he rose. He appeared to them, and so there's an element of worship, and that's where the the tradition came out of. And, and tradition, in this sense, is not a bad word because it's in the scriptures and it's in church history. Okay. Um, so that's what it's taught. Anything on any of that? I know that's a lot. And there's an important uh, distinction. The Sabbath is kind of a unique uh, commandment in the moral law in the Ten Commandments because, uh, like you talked about, the uh, it used to be Saturday. Or you know the, the sixth day, but now it's the seventh. So the the way the Reformed Confession explains that is that um, the the Sabbath has kind of a double. It's kind of a mixed commandment. It's part of the moral law in the sense that we still have to keep it, but it's also um, there's a positive aspect to it. Positive meaning that it's not always binding. So the fact that it was on Saturday and that you had to keep it in the context of a Jewish uh, theocracy. That was all positive. That was all temporary. And it was fulfilled in Christ. So Christ fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath. 
And when he rose again on the third day, that was the new Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath, uh, the Lord's Day. So the, there still is an aspect of resting and worshiping God on that day. But um, the positive aspect in the New Testament is that now we do it on Sunday, uh, you know, worshiping publicly and privately. And so looking back at the fact that we and it's also we're resting in Christ for our salvation and providentially so kind of like when the manna when when God gave the, the the Israelites manna he told them not to store any just just it was just for the day and so that that was kind of a to show them that they needed to trust in God for right. for him so right. Amen. Um, that's good, Carlos. Yeah, that's a positive and, and a moral. Brother, read that, read that last sentence, Carlos, of the uh, paragraph seven. That's exactly. And it is, that. yeah, and it is to be, it is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath, the observation of the last day of the week being abolished. Amen. And, and in fact, while we're on this, let's turn to Hebrews chapter three. <laughs> Hebrews three. chapter 4, and I think the backdrop of what's going on will be able to emerge from chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, therefore, okay, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, okay, what's going on here, the reason I wanted to, to point that out is because a lot of times people will point to this and talk about, well, see, the Lord's day is no longer binding because... What is taught, what the what the Sabbath really symbolized was the fact that we have to work, 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 but on the seventh day we have rest. But now that Christ has come in and and uh, given us redemption, not by our own works, but by rest, it's no longer binding because Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath entirely, in the sense of now we just kind of like sit back and don't do anything. Okay, but notice this is. This does not talk about us getting this rest already. It talks about the rest coming in an eschatological sense. Look at, again, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. So it hadn't happened yet. And I bring that up again because, it, you know, another view of the Sabbath, and this is probably more like just an evangelical view, is, well, now, you know, that we don't have to do anything by our works. I mean, we don't, that includes the Sabbath. Like the Sabbath was just a representation of that. In fact, it's dispensational. The Sabbath was only a represent or a, a symbolical representation of Christ fulfilling the law, and that now that He has fulfilled the law, we already have rest every day of the week. So what do we need to rest on the seventh day? Does that make sense? Or the first day? Excuse me. Um, and again, there's a sharp dichotomy there, but it's not it's not taking the full picture of view. Yeah, as if uh, somewhere to think that you can just line out that commandment, the Ten Commandment, you know, uh, and keep the other nine, yeah. right? Yeah. There really. needs to be the fit, because uh, in that same list of ten, there is the commandment that says, 
very specific. And, and you know, again, so the emphasis here is on worship. Okay? Um, but notice, now, the only thing that, that I personally would look at and, and try, not necessarily, I don't necessarily disagree with this, but I don't think, so what I would what I would look at and say, well, I think there should be more emphasis on the rest part. And, and when I mean rest, I don't mean rest from only, uh, like, anything that's not spiritual. But I mean, like, re- because if the emphasis is on the fact that during for six days we work, the seventh day we we don't work, then that should really mean we we don't that rest means not working from our secular duty. So I would say that even though I mean because for instance this is saying then they observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words and thoughts about their secular secular employment and recreation. Now to an extent I would agree with that. Uh, and and to me the easiest way to look at it is okay so worship as far as church goes, right? That's to me. Okay, so that's that's something that we should look at. Okay, what should we do on the whole on the on the Lord's Day? Worship. You know, be in church. Secondly, abstain from anything that's secular. Um, and thirdly, be engaged in things that are spiritual. That that will help grow us in the things of God. And and to me, that's kind of like a that's the that's that's a helpful outline for me, as far as okay. Um, but but the thing is, I would look at it and say, well, does that exclude things like taking a walk? You know, because I think honestly, I think when you read something like this, this is, and I'm I'm pointing this out because when the guys, let's say the OPC or the PCA or, or you know reform reform guys were not new covenant. I mean, these guys are serious guys. When when they're looking at these things, these are the objections. They're they're slight. I would say modifications. I don't know if I could. Objection would be too strong because they don't object, but they would say, "Well, if I'm looking at it, and I think I can see where they're coming from." They're saying, "Well, if if to hold to this makes it seem like you know, if I fall asleep at like 3 p.m., that I'm violating the Sabbath, according to this." And and so they're saying, so I, they would say, I mean, I don't want to water this down because I think it's great, but they would say, I don't know if we can practically hold to this in a reasonable way. Um, does that make sense? Any, I mean, what are y'all's comments on this? Because I have some stuff I wanted to read, too, from the Westminster Catechism. But One of the things people get caught up with, like, what you shouldn't do, and that's always a big thing, like, well, I can't watch football anymore on Sundays. <laughs> and But really, the, the point of it is this is actually an extension of the previous sections on the regulative principle, right? The regulative principle is that whatever God does not uh, command is forbidden. And so, by extension, if we're supposed to worship a certain way, then we need to do it God's way, and that's what the Lord's Day is for, specifically. And so, there's also the aspect of uh, the fact that if we set aside the whole day, for public and private worship, and that's also why a lot of Reformed churches have church twice or twice a, uh, on Sundays. It's a morning service. Typically, it's a expository or verse by verse, and then the evening service is more doctrinal. And that's why, like the Heidelberg Catechism, is split up into 52 Lord's Days because they would preach every week on that uh, catechism in the evenings. So um, that kind of rules everything out, just sort of by virtue of what you're doing. 
you know, if you're doing that, you're not really doing anything else that you're not supposed to. And so, but yeah, people get caught. And it's not, what Christ was explaining in that passage about the, the one that we read on uh, Mark, the Sabbath isn't meant to be a burden. It's not supposed to be like a burden, like a, like a, like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a hindrance. Yeah, it, it's meant to be, it's actually meant for, to give us structure and to give us a, 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 a way of putting aside our daily, like everyday routine and being able to set some time apart and say, okay, I'm going to dedicate this day to God and, and, you know, try to get caught up on studying the Bible, reading some good, you know, theological books, things like that. So it's, uh, it's not meant to be a burden. And it's like, okay, people will say like, well, if you forget to shave on Saturday and you, what happens if you go to church like do you, do you shave do you not shave and that, that's not really the point you know it's like it's okay to shave you know it's, that's not the point um, it does say that you should strive to order your life so that you reduce that stuff on the you know the other days of the week so that you can set as much of the day as possible for the Lord's uh, activities you know public and private worship but it's not that's not the point you know it's not like to get caught up on you know legalistic you know can you walk yeah, or amen. Uh, things like that and, and two, you know, when we were reading out of Deuteronomy, the emphasis, again, was on remembering that the Lord delivered us. Like, one of the purposes of the Lord's Day was to rest in the in the sense of remembering, you know. So what do you do during, during your rest? You remember that the Lord took you out of Egypt. He delivered you from the slavery and the bondage that we were in. And as Christians, obviously, we look at what Christ has done. And so that's the other element of the Sabbath. It's, it's not just rest, but it is remembering what Christ has done for us. And that's why that's where the reflection, when it comes, uh, when they said um, that they observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their secular employment and recreation, they also fill the whole time with public and private acts of worship. So not just at church, but even when you're aside, private acts of worship and the duties of necessity and mercy. And that goes back to what we were talking about, um, as far as necessity. So yeah, like like if you have to shave or whatever, I mean. Uh, or if you have to work. Uh, or you're driving to church, you, you look at your gas meter, and you're like, oh, man, I totally forgot to fill up. You know, what does that mean? you got to, like, just pull over and walk to church. No, I mean, so, uh, so yeah, if you have to work, I mean, things happen. Um, but, you know, that's a good point, Carlos. I'm glad, because I, this is a, so the, this is from the, the, uh, the larger catechism. Which, which, so, so this came from the Westminster Confession. The Westminster also, they also had a larger and smaller catechism, shorter catechism. This is from the larger catechism. What are the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it? And the answer is, the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it, are taken from the equity of it, the fairness of it. The justice of it. God allowing us six days of seven for our own affairs and reserving but one for himself in these words, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work from God's challenging a special propriety in that day. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Uh, and also from the example of God who in six days made heaven and earth to see and all that is in them and rest of the seventh day. So he's saying because God has set the principle of this. 
And that's another aspect that we should remember, that God has set this up in this way, in a sense, so that we can imitate that. I mean, you know, when a lot of times people say, well, why did God, could God have created the, the universe in four days? Yes, he could have, but he didn't. He created it in six days, and he assigned seventh day to be a day of rest, a holy day. And so we, too, can look at that as a pattern that we should imitate and follow. So again, it, it again goes back to the creation. Um, and that's, that's, that's what they're saying here. And then it says, uh, why is the word remember set in the beginning of the fourth commandment the, the, on the Sabbath? The word remember is set in the beginning of the fourth commandment partly because of the great benefit of remembering it. We being thereby helped in our preparation to keep it. And in keeping it, better to keep all the rest of the commandments and to continue, continue a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits of creation and redemption, which contain... Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but the purpose is this, you know, to the extent that we spend more time remembering what God has done for us, our love for God is going to grow. And, and each week really does become a spiritual refreshment if we, especially if you're able to really benefit from that one day when you can really just, just focus on Christ, set your mind on Christ, it really does kind of load you up for the week whenever we go back into the world. And so that's that's what it's trying to do. And so that's actually, I'm glad Carlos brought that up, that it's not like a, well, the Bible says it, so we have to do it kind of thing. You know, it's it's more like the Scriptures command it, but there's a reason for that. And it, it points not only to the glory of Christ, but we're better off as people of Christ to actually do that, to rest and to remember. It'd be better if you could do both at once, remembering why you rest. Uh, in Hebrews 4 it even says uh, for if, in verse 8 it says for if Joshua had given them rest God would not have spoken of another day later on so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience so there's a like a positive yep. plan there. That's Amen. And, and if y'all, here's here's a. This is great. Look, so so and it comes again from in a sense this the tradition anyways, but it says this. Okay, this is one of the questions. Why is the charge of keeping the Sabbath more specially directed to governors of families and other superiors? In other words, the heads of the households. Now, church leaders too, but the heads of the household. Why, in other words, should this, why should the, the heads of households be in charge, have so much influence over the Sabbath? What, what, what comes from that? The charge of keeping the Sabbath is more specially directed to governors of families and other superiors because they are bound not only to keep it themselves, but to see that it be observed by all those that are under their charge. And because they are prone oftentimes to hinder them by employment of their own, you know, and, and I mean, I, it's like, man, I know, I, there's, we know, you know, we're all guys all here for the most part, you know, but yeah, we know that, I mean, there's a huge responsibility on the men because of the bad influence that we can, I mean, and that's what you see in culture today. That's what's wrong with, there's many things wrong with society, but one of the problem, major problems is that the men 
never took this stuff seriously, and their families just went wherever, you know, it's just kind of like do your own thing. And, and or, or maybe even more often you see, well, the guy has some kind of hobby that he likes to do, and Sunday's a perfect day for that hobby. And so he goes out and does the hobby. The family's either left alone or they're kind of dragged along into it, you know. So and if we can get specific, you know, that can kind of lead down maybe a legalistic trail. But at the same time, even when it comes to this, and, and not only church worship, but again, going back to family worship, especially what we do with our, our free time, our free time, you know, we, in a sense, we don't have all time belongs to God anyways, you know, but what do we do with the time when we are not at work, let's say, or when we are not busy, you know, in the sense, I mean, like on Sunday afternoons, usually we have a lot of time, well, well, you know, I think for the most part, or, or if you're working, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have a day, you're going to have some days where you have a lot of time. What do you do with that time? And so that's why I like this, because it's trying, and in fact, the Sabbath itself, you know, the whole the whole thing, <coughs> when it comes to remembrance, is exactly that. Like, there is a boundary in place where, where now we can't have some specific things that we can actually try to do on the Lord's Day, as opposed to just saying, well, I mean... Well, the Bible says we got to rest, so we'll just rest, you know. But there's actually things that we can engage in, um, like Carlos was saying, in a positive aspect, in an in a active aspect, where we can actually pursue things. Like, okay, well, maybe Sunday would be a great day, like Carlos was saying, to personally spend devotion time with the Lord, you know, get with the Lord, read the Word, but also even with the family, um, do things different. Tasha actually has a nice example where they, I mean... Her family wouldn't—they wouldn't like go to the movies on Sundays, or you know, it was just a different day. And even now, she grew up, and she's like, "Yeah, I just knew it was a different day for for the right reasons, you know." Whereas for us, it's the day to, you know, go play golf or football, or you know, like hurry up and get church over with and go do your thing. So um, that just shows you, though, that there is. It doesn't leave us without answers about what we should do on Sundays. And it doesn't leave us, my voice is like a shot almost, and it does not leave us with, uh, and I love it because it's almost like, not to get on a rabbit trail, but you know when Paul says that women should not teach, and people are always saying, well, that was just Paul, he was a different culture, different context, but there's a theological reason behind that. It's because Eve was deceived. Not, you know, not Adam in that sense. There's a theological purpose. So it's not, at that point, it's no longer just a cultural thing. It's a theologically binding thing. The same thing about this. It goes back. And so there is something that is binding. And by God's grace, he's, he's told us, going back, that it's so that we can remember him, so that we can rest. And we see that with Christ himself. Christ himself never ever, ever abrogated the Sabbath. But like Carlos said, it is not for, it's for us. He, he goes even further. He says the Sabbath was made for man. Not not just for the Jews. That's what people a, a lot point. of times interpret it, but it says it was made for man. Yeah, it goes back to the creation account. God giving us the example that, you know, as he worked six days and rested on the seventh, and specifically made it holy, that we, we follow on that. We, we are, God allows us to work six days, but 
mercy. This, you know, sovereign wisdom. He grants us a day of rest because if he, if we didn't hear a command to not rest, we'd work our fingers to the bone. That's true, brother. And That's so work true. just, I mean, work kills people, really. And like when Christ yeah. said, something's made for man. That, that's God's mercy towards mankind, saying, listen, you can trust me for one day. And on that day, since you're not working, you can reflect especially on me. Yeah. Assemble, you know. It's a God's perfect work. And we're trying to put it together, but and people make it legalistic. But really, it's, it's a mercy from God to grant us. Because really, our toils, uh, and especially... In early times, you know, people actually worked very hard to sustain their life. I mean, we read that example in Exodus. <coughs> that man was gathering sticks. Why? It's going to start a fire. Yeah, amen. Okay, so that's right. <laughs> the Lord specifically, you know, through the command says, "Don't worry about that on the Sabbath." Yeah, amen. And and two, if you think about, so it's about deliverance. You know, that the Lord saying, "Remember that I delivered you." And and you know, when they were slaves in Egypt, there's no way they had a day off. You know, oh, yeah. there's no way. And so when they get into the, yeah. you know, and it's amazing to think when they go into the into the wilderness, I mean, it was hard in a sense to just just stop, you know, because they spent all their life doing things. So it's like, and the Lord's trying to say, listen, no, rest, rest. But it goes back to creation, you know, the rest. Just take a break. Because, I mean, we don't, I, I hate, you know, it's hard. It's like, but, but what about that? What this like? Just, what, just focus on me. Think about Christ. Open the Bible up. It's actually a day when you don't have to do that, you know, unless you have a necessity or, or, or charity. Uh, I think we can view the Sabbath as like a picture of eternal rest. <laughs> use that day to prepare our hearts. That's what Hebrews, that's exactly what Hebrews yeah. talks about, right? Amen. Yeah, that's good stuff, guys. And, and I know, like, this is a short chapter, and I don't know if I'm going to Yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's good anyways, because there's so much meat here, and it's, so, it's, it's just a topic that hardly ever gets talked about. I mean, I've never heard a sermon preached about this, and I've never heard it. Maybe some guys have done it, but... So I just thought we'd take time and just... Look at that. What do you think, Aaron? Amen? Amen, brother. And actually, so Aaron and I were talking about, like, even evangelism on Sundays. And, and like, and, and honestly, so I've seen it done both ways. I've seen churches that have, like, a church outreach on every Sunday. There's one in Denver. And actually, it was, it was, the way they did it was really cool. Because after church, you would go out. In fact, the... Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, the guys, they do the same thing over there. So you go to church, and after church, you go out as a group, you evangelize. Uh, whereas, on the other hand, it's almost like, or should that day just be a day of reflection and rest? So, uh, but that, that would fall under work of mercy. It would, definitely. A, it would definitely include yeah. that. So I would definitely, that's why I would say, yeah, if, if people do that, there's definitely, to me, there's no restriction against that, I would think, because of that. Because you see Christ specifically healing on the Sabbath, 
And he almost does it like in their faces to say, <laughs> I'm doing this because it's the Sabbath. That's why they're mad. Of course, he addressed their aberrant view. Right. Of what Sab- they, Sabbath was legalistic I mean, to, mm-hmm. to the team. Right. And he gave them the example, you know, if your donkey fell into a pit, would you not rescue him? Right. You know? If you followed your Sabbath rules, you couldn't. Right. That, you'd die. Right. Or your animal would die. So, Orthodox Jews today, they have long list of things to do on the Sabbath. <laughs> they have ways to get around everything. They can't, they can't carry anything yeah. into their house, but if someone hands it through the window, they can reach out and pick it up. They can't, they can't yes. reach outside the window, but if someone <laughs> reaches into the window and they can reach out. Those folks are just bringing That's just like the heart of man, yeah? Orthodox mm-hmm. Jews? That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, what do you got, brother? You got a word for us? No, that's that's good stuff. But no, and, and of course, Aaron. I mean, on the other hand, that's why I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing it as a day of rest and reflection either. Absolutely. Yeah. So, where it is about the saints and the, the body of Christ, you know, the refreshment within. But uh, and you know, that's another thing that you need to realize that. Though it is a command that we rest, we realize that we, the law was never meant to be kept by us. I mean, it, it's our guardian, right? It's our uh, our schoolmaster. It shows us our sin. It shows us our helplessness. That's why we need Christ, because we could never fulfill that. We could never keep every Sabbath. We could never rest every Sabbath. But Christ has done that for us. And like Tim was saying, you know, it helps us to look forward to that rest. And it, it, I mean, that's the thing. Like all the commandments, I think, uh, yeah. I think it was Washer who was talking about when people look at the Ten Commandments who are not Christians and they're like, oh man, that sounds so awful, you know, to all these, these. But you know, as a Christian, with somebody who has a new principle of, of life, the, the, the supernatural birth of the Spirit in us, you know, we, we look at these things and we say, well, now I want to love God. Now I. I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to steal. I don't want to slander somebody. It's like something we long to do, you know? Like, that's we have desire to do these things. As opposed to when we were lost, we're like, well, that's 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 awful. <clears throat> so it's, it's, but it goes along with that. Once you have a, I think, a biblical view of what the Lord's Day, the Sabbath is, to me, there's there should be really no problem at all wanting to have some kind of reverence for this this holy day, this Saturday. And so I think anyone who denies that has clearly an unbiblical view, I think, of, of the Lord's name, what is actually what it actually is. So um, but again, I mean as far as like the little nuances of it, I don't know. But I know it's I, I mean it is for us. It's a blessing for us. And for our households when we when we do that. Anything else? Well, our man David here, you ready, brother? You got a song for us? Why don't we just do one tonight? He was singing today. We had a little service at, at a Utah. A little, little song of preaching out there. I don't want to wreck his voice like mine is. It's good stuff, Thomas. You're in for a treat, brother. Yeah. This guy's got a pair of pipes, man. I don't know any cool opera singers, but if I did, I said I said.
Aaron's good too. Jesus is me. 